Blog Talk Radio. everyone. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the TS Radio Network. Our host tonight, Tanya, for Tanya Talks, has been delayed. She'll be here shortly, but we're going to just roll with it till she gets here, as she's asked us to do. I want to remind everyone these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, taking place annually in Washington, D.C., and they're also carried by uh, Lighthouse Christian Radio on 89.9 KLLRB-FM. Stephen Burke is the producer, and so we appreciate their support. Uh, Tina, where should we pick up here? Um, you're more familiar with all of this that's happening with this, with Jamie, and um, where should we start here? Okay. All right, well, Jamie, can you kind of sum up She's been on two shows before, and if you can kind of sum up um, those two shows, we'll take it Yeah, that would be good. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of how the best way to sum it up is. Um, Basically, uh, my mom um, had started selling me for drugs when I was, about four to six years old. Um, she ended up, I, I've heard her talk about killing people before. Uh, I heard her say she had shot and killed two men and threw them off a bridge into the Missouri River. Um, oh, my God. Yes. Uh, she, um, <sighs> she killed a man when I was 14 years old. And uh, she blamed me and my lifelong friend, Billy Hine. Uh, she asked me to take the blame. Um, she. Uh, and you told her no, correct? Yes, I told her no. I told her I was not going to take the blame. And um, she, uh, of course, she she didn't like that. Um, Billy has done 25 years uh, for a crime he did not commit, for a crime that my mother committed. Um, She still will not take responsibility for it. Um, I don't think she ever will take responsibility for it. Um, Let's see. (laughs) I don't know. There's there's no evidence pointing to you or Billy. Right. You shared you, you, you shared the evidence list with us, with Tanya yes. and I. And there is absolutely so, no evidence pointing to you and Billy. No, there's not. 
Not at all. Then how did and then Jamie, how did you end up in prison and how did this young man end up in there? Um, well, we're still kind of asking ourselves that. Um Yeah. We we were with my mom. Uh you know, I was 14. I mean, I had no choice but to be around her and Billy really didn't want to leave me alone with someone like her. Um uh, there's, I, I don't, looking at the list of evidence, there's, there's nothing that points to Billy at all. I, my mom went to right. trial. Um, the jury ended up deliberating and convicting her in less than four hours, which is really fast for a jury. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. they, you know, Billy Billy's still very, very young, so he, he took the advice of his attorney at the time. And, and right. you know, when when you're young and you're terrified, I mean, you know, here's this crazy lady trying to pin a murder on you you didn't commit, and you're facing a death penalty. All three of us were facing the death penalty. And uh-huh. he, you know, he takes the best deal that he thinks that he could get at the time because, you know, I mean – Here's this attorney saying, "Hey, this is the best deal I can get you. You really should take it." And I mean, you're scared. Right. What are you going to do? You're going to listen to your attorney. And I was terrified. I mean, of course, being a minor, uh, my mom had to be in the room with me anytime they questioned me. So, you know, luckily I, I invoked my right to remain silent, and uh, I have not been able to make any type of statement as to what really happened until now. Now, they mm-hmm. did ask me to testify against her in her trial, but I said no. I was terrified oh. of her. There was no right. way I wanted to go face her at her trial. Right, and that's understandable. Um, and she's, Jamie, what, she's in prison now? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Now, what evidence did they have to convict her? Uh, they had her gun. Okay. Uh, uh, they found the victim's gun on her. Uh, okay. The victim's holster. Um, hang on. Let, I'll actually pull it up. I don't have the paper with me okay. right here. Okay. Uh, but let's see. I'm looking for it. While you look, did you did you take a plea as well, or were you did you have a jury trial? Uh, I did not have a jury trial. I took a plea to um, go into the juvenile system until I was 18 years old. Mhm. Uh huh. So and basically, you were just pretty much railroaded. Yeah, both of us were. I mean, you know, I mean, we're we're scared. I mean, here's this crazy yeah. lady, you know. I mean, she's already put a gun to my head and, and you know, pulled the trigger. So, oh, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm terrified. You know, I don't, I'm not going to, you know, you know like, not listen to her. Where, right. Where she's incarcerated, do they have her isolated or do they have her in with the general population? Or I think it would be dangerous to put her in with other people. 
No, they put her in the the um, women's tank down there with the other women, but they had me separated because I was a minor and we were co-defendants. So they had me in a cell by myself. Ah, okay. Um, they had my mom's gun. They had ammunition from my mom's gun. Uh, they had the victim's uh-huh. gun. Uh, they had a bunch of aerial photos and maps. A uh, couple of crime scene photos, um, city maps, uh, um, really about it that they had. Yeah. So everything points to your mom. Yes. And you guys were young and just believed what the attorneys told you was best, which is what people are taught to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, what do we know? You know, Billy, you know, you've seen, you've seen his record and everything. He has not been in trouble, Mm -hmm. you know, for nothing violent. And I mean, this is just not him. This is not who he is. Um, let's see. What about the evidence um, from the truck that she stole from the deceased? Uh, the only thing that they had from the evidence inside the truck was a tissue box. A tissue box? Yes. Okay. And... I mean, I don't, I don't know where that is. My mom is, uh, my mom is in Mabel Bassett right now here mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, and there's uh, Tanya's messaging. <laughs> uh, <laughs> lots of COVID yeah. nineteen there um, that she's being told, and I mean, you know, if it is, well, good luck to my mom. I really don't care. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know that sounds so wow. cruel, but. I mean, no. Well, it's understandable after the what she's used through in her life. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, yes, you know, I I think when somebody puts a gun to your head, they pretty well told you they really don't give a crap about you. Um, and no. you know, this is you, you hear men behaving this way. This is, uh, it, you know, common among men who lean this direction, but it's very uncommon. I, had a psychiatrist tell me one time over one of my clients that any time a woman picks up a gun, that's one mad woman. And I just, you know, a gun is a man's weapon, if you understand what I'm saying. That's a man's weapon. Yeah. And for her to be wielding one, you know, it just, I I can't imagine. How old were, were you when she put the gun to your head? I was 14. It was right after the murder. Oh, jeez. She, oh, she told me, uh, you know, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out, and you're not the first, and pulled the trigger. Oh, my God. Billy was in Billy was in the shower when that happened, and, and when he got out, of course, I'm balled up in the corner crying. I didn't want to talk to anybody, you know, and, and after that, I did mm-hmm. not leave his side. I wouldn't leave his side. I was yeah. afraid. Right. And right. Um but it's 
it's so frustrating because this case is old, and I understand that. But it gets really frustrating, you know, where it's like, well, you know, why why are you just now coming forward? Well, because I'm not afraid anymore. I, I I'm yeah. able to come forward because I'm I don't have to be afraid anymore. And, right. and to have that much psychological damage done to you from somebody, it it takes a while, you know. And, and yeah. a lot of attor- attorneys have told me, you know, well, this is so old, you know, he's not going to be able to do anything but get out on parole. And I'm like, excuse me, there's no evidence against him. None. Right. You know, he he was sitting here convinced by a a lawyer to take this plea deal. And and being that young, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. You know, you're supposed to be able to trust your lawyer, right? Well, I think people have moved way past that, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody trusts a lawyer. I don't know anyone who does. And uh, well, not anymore. But, at, but I mean, yeah, at 14 years old, after a traumatic incident like this, um, you you do look for someone in a position of authority to take over to you know to save you more or less. And yeah, so if this is what they're telling you, you to do, you do it. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, you're sitting there being threatened with the death penalty, and, and this lawyer is telling you, you know, hey, take this deal for a life sentence. You know, you'll be able to come up for parole. Don't worry. You know, this is this is what I can get you. This is the best I can get you. So, you know, you're sitting here facing death penalty. So you're afraid. You know, nobody wants to die in the in the death penalty, especially for something they didn't do. You know, so so yeah. what are you going to do whenever you're scared? You're going to yeah. listen to this lawyer, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Well, you know, and the thing is, too, Jamie and Tina, I know you've experienced this, too. When it comes to attorneys, they will their their first obligation is to the court, not to their client. So they're doing everything they can to protect the court from you, and they will – meet with each other and plan with each other. And I would say a good 90% of the time, anyone walks into court, it's already a done deal before you ever get there. That's what all the plea bargaining is about and everything else. They want that all settled before it ever gets into court. And the the thing about it is if the law meant anything, you wouldn't be able to plea bargain. They wouldn't be able to yeah. give you – but it's a – it's a cash business, you know what I'm saying? So they're bargaining for cash here. And so the bargaining chip is the law. And if the law meant anything, um, you know, they wouldn't be able to plea. Uh, you either commit right. the crime, it says specifically in the law what the punishment will be for crime X, you know, whatever that is. And that doesn't give anyone the right to plea it down to something else just so they don't have to do any work. Or, you know, just so you don't put up a fight. Uh, And I always figure when they're offering plea deals, it's because they don't have anything. They don't have a case. They don't Mm -hmm. have enough to secure a conviction. So then they start offering plea deals. And I had someone close to me go through this. And their whole thing was it was extortion, uh, coercion and extortion. Either you take the plea deal. Or instead of getting the mandatory minimum of five years, you're going to get 25 hard. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just up to you. I'd take the deal. You know, the law means nothing. It means nothing. It's simply a way to trap somebody. That's all. And, um, but actually, yeah, um, this, this just doesn't, and it, you're a fool if you trust your attorney because you're, I guarantee you that attorney doesn't give a crap about you and they want to win or they want to smooth it out with a plea deal or, you know, there's something else in it for them that's far worth far more than you are. And, um, you know, people say, oh, they're not all bad. No, they're not. But the ones that aren't bad like that get sanctioned and disbarred and ruined and, you know, their careers hijacked and by their brothers in arms in the Bar Association. Um, right. This is, and if they have no evidence, have, are you trying to vacate his his uh, judgment? I, I'm not sure, like, what that means. Are you trying have to withdraw absolutely... his, yeah. his plea? We're, he, um, we're trying to, you know, I mean, he should have made parole already because he didn't do it. Um, right. We're talking to different attorneys, and, you know, I, I do tell them I don't care if it's, you know, a post-conviction or parole. We just, he deserves a chance to be home. He needs to come home. Yes. Yeah. Right. I agree. And it just, you know, they, this is, this, this really torques me because you see these big deal people, you know, the elites, they get in trouble and what you or and I would go to prison for, for 25 years, they get five days, you know, uh, but served, time served, they, nothing happens to them. And mm-hmm. this, that somebody, you know, this young is sitting in there for something he had nothing to do with. I just, how, Jamie, how did for you, 25 years. how did it come that, yes, Jamie, how did you get out? Uh, they recertified me as a juvenile and sent me to the juvenile system until I was 18 years old, and then I was, I got out. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, but yet, that was still on my juvenile record. Luckily, it was sealed, but I mean, hey, I got to come out and be honest about it. To get Billy home, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, he okay. he doesn't deserve the five years in, in prison for something he didn't do. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so what's your next step? What are you planning next in your attempts to get him freed? Um, I'm hoping to uh, find an attorney that can work with me on payment plans and uh, sit down and, and really look at our case. And, and see that this, I mean, it's just, he should have never been indicted. Neither should I. Yeah. They had no evidence pointing towards me or him, either one of us. You know, but they're trying to say, oh, well, it was 25 years ago. Well, I don't give. Yeah, I don't cares. care when it was. If it, Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he's innocent. And, and it's, you know, it's just. Yeah. Really, really wow. ridiculous, and wow. it. Okay, yeah. Have who have you contacted, like in government or with the 
prison system, it's whomever, the courts, who have you contacted and what has their response been? Um, I don't really want to go into that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I understand. All right. All right. So then what can we do to help you? Um, well, I want to get the truth out there. Uh, mm-hmm. My mom has not come clean. I mean, we've, she has been suspected in other murders. We had the Texas Rangers following me around after I got out questioning me over and over and over about a murder in Seymour, Texas. Um, She's been suspected of a few other murders as well. Uh, The U.S. Marshals have questioned me um, about her. Uh, We had found a picture in her stuff, Billy and I did of a chair that was on fire and you could see what looked like the outline of a body. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> she carried that gun around all the time. It was like a growth on her. She carried it around so much. She pointed it in my stepdad's oh, wow. face. I don't know how many times she pointed it in his face, threatened to kill him. And she made Christmas. You know, Sometimes I wonder if she got away with the other murders because my grandpa was a cop. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure, but the, the thought has crossed my mind that that could be why she's gotten away with so much up until now. Yeah. But she likes uh, to well. brag about, you know, all these murders and stuff that she's committed. and, and I mean, she didn't brag to a whole lot of people, but I heard her. My stepdad heard her. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if she didn't, why would she put a gun to her 14-year-old daughter's head and pull the trigger? Right. Well, she's obviously a psychopath. It. Yeah. Oh, she is. She's definitely a psychopath. Yeah. And uh, my grandpa was a diagnosed schizophrenic as well. Oh, my God. And he was the huh. policeman? Yes, he was a policeman. Now, mm-hmm. that's a scary thought, isn't it? Jeez. Yes, it yeah. is. Wow. That's Jamie really Christmas. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, um, here, here you go, Billy, who, who, you know, is close to me, and you know, he doesn't want to see me going through what I've been through. Mhm. Mhm. But oh, Billy, a very scary person. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Um, how's Billy been holding up through all this? He uh, he's doing okay. I mean, you know, he he gets to talk to me and visit with me. You know, when we're allowed visitation, of course. When was the last time you were allowed to see him in person? Uh, we went to visitation. I think the last visitation, when did they shut down visitation? Oh gosh, it's been months and months. <laughs> I August? can't remember. Wow. Like August or September? Mm-hmm. It was the very last visitation day that we, we did go see him. Oh, well wow. that's good. I'm sure he's I'm sure he misses seeing people. Yeah. yeah. That's really difficult. Um, 
is there any way you can go back after that? It had to have been the prosecutor that offered the plea deal, and I mean offered it to his attorneys. So who was the prosecutor? And see, some I didn't know about them that if they don't have like a one hundred percent conviction rate, they they are basically out of a job. So uh, because it's all money, it's all about money, and that mm-hmm. keeps the prisons full. And the way the prisons work. Uh, we let them privatize the prisons, and the state guarantees the prison, or the prison guarantees the state that they will, or is it the other way? The state guarantees the prison, they'll keep them at least at 90 to 95% occupancy, and then they get X amount of dollars for each one of those beds. So mm-hmm. you see these extreme sentencing guidelines that, like, you know, if you cross the street, you know, outside of a crosswalk, it's it's two years in prison because they it's rated on the pay per day in that bed. So they're guaranteeing how many days that bed will literally that bed will have an occupant in it that they get paid for, and it it there it's trafficking. It's trafficking. There's yeah. I would guess that it's mm-hmm. fifty to sixty percent of the people in prison should have never been there. I mean, it's this misdemeanor stuff, minor stuff. And they're mm-hmm. sitting in prison for it so that it's a in private Oklahoma. corporation can make money? Yes. You have the highest prison in population Oklahoma, in they, the country. Right. Yeah. Right. They love to convict wrong, wrongfully, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you have the largest number of women in prison. And, yes, um, we do. We have for a long time. It, it says a lot. But it's just... Uh, I there's got to be something we can do to get this kid out. <laughs> I hope so because that man does not deserve. I mean, he's he's 46 years old. What what is he going to do besides sit on the porch and enjoy what life he has left? Yeah, you know, right. doesn't he deserve that? Doesn't he deserve a chance? Yeah, you know, 25 years yeah. for for you know. Being my friend, I mean, wow. you know, it's it's just wow. I I've literally worked and worked and worked, and I've called people and called people and called people to try to get you know a uh, uh, set in the right direction for help to to help him get out because he he yeah. doesn't deserve this. I mean, you know, he. What what is he doing to be prepared to transition to life outside prison? Well, um, he does have job opportunities whenever he gets out. Uh, he will be staying in a small town, a very small town, which is going to make it easier, in my opinion, to, to get used to everything that has changed in so long. Um, mm-hmm. He has a very good support system. Um, he uh, has he been taking classes? Yes, he has taken classes. Uh, he has completed uh, some Votech courses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what what type of Votech? Do you know? I don't remember, and I don't have the paper with me. 
That's okay. I had it written down. <laughs> I had it written down. I can't find it. That's okay. Um, all does he bring to the pardon and parole board when he goes up for for probation? Well, unfortunately, um, I I don't know exactly. Uh, he's never made it to stage two, so he doesn't get to go in front of them. And I know that whenever the parole investigator comes and speaks to him, it's less than two minutes and they leave. Mm-hmm. Which, he what does that any, say? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a joke. The pardon and parole board is a joke. And, and um, I've heard a, a few inmates that have said that they've had that happen you know I've seen other inmates loved ones of course on Facebook saying you know why does the parole investigator come and ask two questions and just leave because they've already got their mind up made up pretty much they've already decided just like DAs when they go in to a case they've already got their mind made up who's guilty and they're going to prove it whether it's true or not mm-hmm. um, has he has Billy had any write-ups in the last four or five years um, not had any violent write-ups in the whole 25 years he's been there nothing violent that's good it's all, you know it's all yeah for such a violent offender I mean, he doesn't have any violent write-ups. Right. You know? And he's taken these classes and these courses because he wants to better himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he wants to make sure he will succeed if he ever gets the chance to come home. But whenever, you know, <clears throat> you have the pardon and parole board not really given who cares about you. Mm-hmm. Because you're labeled violent, it it you know it really makes it hard. It really makes it hard. You know, in this day and age, when everybody is so against labeling people and judging people, especially here in the Bible Belt, you would think that people would get a second chance to prove that they're not what the state is labeling them. And the state actually has a violent offender registry. They, they they make people pay to be on this registry after they get let out. Are you so, serious? I didn't know that. Yes, it's true. And now mm-hmm. Billy wouldn't have to do it because it has to be Stated in court that they have to sign up for the violent offender registry. But the state of Oklahoma has the violent offender registry, the sexual offender registry, the methamphetamine uh, registry, and they make money on every single one of those. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I have talked before about how you know, there have been actual research and studies on so-called violent offenders that have done, you know, 15 to 20 to 25 years or more that when they mm-hmm. are let out, um, they do not reoffend again. 
Right. Right. And violent offenders are actually less likely to reoffend than nonviolent <clears throat> offenders. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know how many times <clears throat> we've seen people with drug charges, uh, robbery, um, assault and battery, uh, uh, car theft, you know, stuff like that, that go in, do time, get out, do it right again, and go right back in. It's a revolving door. Right. And I've actually even heard people say, oh, with this new law, I could do blah, 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 and not get in trouble for it. I've heard them say how new laws will affect the nonviolent offenders, and that's their criminal thinking. Yes, that's, it is. And back to the pardon and parole board, Judge McCall being on the parole board, he said he would never vote for a violent offender. He's biased whether the person deserves to be out on probation or not. He's biased against them. Not to mention it's a violation of the 14th Amendment. He cannot be paid by the state as a retired judge and be in the legislative branch, which is the Pardon and Parole Board. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a violation of the 14th Amendment. Wow. Mm-hmm. He wants to keep everybody in prison. Maybe I need to look up <laughs> what businesses he owns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tanya had asked what level Billy is. He is level four, and he's been level four for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Which explain what levels are? Um, I don't really know the whole level system. I know that level four is the best one. <laughs> it's, right. it's the highest level you can have. You get the most uh, with canteen and uh, visitation time. Um, when they have visits. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't even know what else. They work their way up from level one to level four based on good behavior, job, um, things that they're doing, uh, keeping mm-hmm. keeping their uh, cell clean, things like that. Yeah. So they do, get, he, they do get more privileges as they move up. And to be level yeah, four in prison... It's it's a great thing for them, you know, but it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. You right. hear all the time about people fighting and gangs getting into it and, you know, even guards putting people against each other on purpose to start a fight. And I just read something about that, too. Mhm. It's it's the system is set up to fail in Oklahoma. It fails yeah. them while they're inside, and it fails them when they get out. Yeah. 
Now, was there any DNA at the crime scene? They did not take any DNA at the crime scene. There was no DNA collected. It's not on the evidence list. Mm-hmm. There's nothing on the evidence list as far as uh, collecting any samples for DNA or anything. And, and back then, I don't I don't think that they did that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they could go back and get... Well, you said she had the guns on her person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Uh, Tanya just sent something about opening up DNA cases. Um, definitely think... have to test. <laughs> definitely have to test for DNA in cases where there is some um, to prove yeah. guilt or innocence. And as far as her clothes, as far as her clothes, uh, I I don't know. I mean, it was it was oh, a few days afterwards. You know that that we were caught in Kentucky and extradited back to Oklahoma. Mhm. Well, I mean, she had her clothes with her, though. Um, they I think have so. Kept she, the she, clothes that she had worn on the day of the murder. See, I don't know if she still had those clothes with her because, I mean, like I said, we we all had changed clothes. Right. So we had showered at truck stops and in the hotel, you know. Mhm. Interesting. Um. Let's see. Sorry, this is a <laughs> I know. slow questions tonight, but um, I'm not used to doing so much talking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. So how many murders do you think your mother has committed? Let's see. There's the two in Missouri, the one in the chair, uh, this one, and if she did the one in Texas, that's five. And, and you know, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt if there was more. Wow. Jamie, can I ask a question? What do you know about your mother's history, her childhood, where she grew up? Were there problems there? Were there problems in the family with her? Um, not with her. She was treated like a princess, got everything she wanted with my grandpa, you know, from what my uncle had told me. Uh, she, you know, I know my grandpa was really hard on my uncle Don. He was very hard on him. Uh, um, the boys had to go out and do all the chores, you know, feeding the horses and and taking care of the horses and everything else where my mom didn't have to do nothing. She just got to stay in the house. Wow. Um, okay. Was, I was just curious, did you ever look back to see if during her time when she was at home in the area they lived in, if there were any unexplained disappearances, um, unexplained deaths, you know what I'm saying, murders that weren't solved, anything like that, of people she may have come in contact with. I, I just don't think this started as an adult. This sounds like a lifelong... This... Okay. 
I really don't. I don't think okay. she has either. Uh, now, my mom was 15 when she got pregnant with me and 16 when she had me. Okay. Um, but I did look to see if there were any unsolved murders where we were uh-huh. from. And, and, of course, there there are, but yeah. I can't trace them back to my mom. But there are a lot of unsolved murders. And yeah. I just well, can't usually this kind of be my mom. Yeah, yeah. It usually this I've kind tried. of behavior starts starts as a young child. Um, it usually oh, yeah. starts with tormenting siblings, uh, even becoming threatening at times. Um, they torture animals. They do bizarre things that anybody else would look at and think, "My God," you know. But for some reason, the family will overlook or try to cover up. But like I say, usually these people have a lifelong history of this behavior. And you see, it keeps sticking in my mind, her putting a gun to your head. You're her child. She has no connection to you whatsoever. And putting a gun to your head and snapping it, um, that's that's cold-blooded, boy. That is cold-blooded. Uh, yeah. If somebody even thought about doing that to my child, I'm telling you, we I'd be in prison. I would. Um, me but it too. Just, me too. I, I don't understand you know, it. Like I've never understood how you cannot love your own child. Yeah, there's no and, connection. And there's, there's, yeah, there's no empathy, no sympathy, no bonding. Uh, there is no connection whatsoever with that child. And she is, from what you're telling me, and I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist, don't pretend to be, but from everything I've read and been told by people who do know, she's a psychopath, a pure psychopath. And this didn't start as an adult. I say, this started, she was always this way. She was born this way. Mm -hmm. So what she did to end up in prison was just the finish on what she started as a child. And she probably got away Mm -hmm. with a lot of stuff you'll never know about. Oh, I'm sure she has. I wouldn't doubt it. I would not doubt it one bit. This is this is just scary. This sounds like one of those movies like Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> I mean, it does. It just sounds like this. And the idea I, that this woman is walking around loose for so long. Um, with these other murders that you know about, was she ever questioned on them? Was she ever... You know, uh, involved? Did they ever connect her to them? I have no idea. Okay. I really, I really don't know. Now I know that the one in Texas. You know, I was questioned about it. I believe Billy was questioned about it as well. Um, uh-huh. And, and I, I mean, hello, you're sitting here questioning Billy about another murder my mom's involved in, but you're not thinking about questioning his innocence. For this one, yeah, that doesn't make yeah. sense to me. No, you know why? Why? Why in the world would you sit there and and, and question him about a, a serial killer and, and not connect the dots where he didn't do this? Why not look into yeah. this case again? I I don't understand, you know, what it's going to take for us to have this case looked at again because because yeah. nothing adds up. Right. Right. And, that's, and I'm I'm wondering why it was so important to yeah, why it was so important to convict you and Billy too. See, there's something something isn't right here and I'm just not sure what it is cuz I don't know enough about it, but why they would have pulled you or both minor children. 
why they would have pulled you into this when there was no evidence that you were involved. And he wasn't a minor. I good... was. Okay. Okay. Wow, this is just bizarre. It's just well, bizarre. Now, do you I, have any contact guess... with her at all? No. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Go ahead. No, not at all. Okay. Has she tried um, to con- uh, the... has she tried to contact you? Um, I mean, if she has, she don't know where I'm at now, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she's writing letters to my last address in Oregon, and I'm not there. Good. So, <laughs> and don't go good there. Good luck to her. <laughs> yeah, but, there you uh, go. To answer your question, my only guess as far as convicting all three of us is, you know, it's either, you know, whenever you have more than one kid, it's like, okay, if nobody's going to own up to this, and all three of you can get punished, but I don't see the logic oh, wow. in that because there was no proof with me and Billy. Or, I mean, I've guessed maybe it, because it was election year or something that year. I have yeah. no idea. I, I've yeah. asked myself that question all these years. Why? Why did all three of us have to? You know, why? Why? You know, I sit here and lose out on on everything. Billy lost out on everything. All because yeah. of some maniac who wants to run around pointing her gun at everybody and killing people. Yeah. You know, I, I have friends just... that will sit there and tell you they were afraid of my mom, and that is the whole reason they didn't want to come stay the night with me anymore. And I had to go stay the night at their houses because they were afraid of her. She scared a lot of people where we were from. This is just, I, I've. Like I say, it's, it's an amazing thing to me. These people are walking around. Um, see, something in this just isn't isn't playing out. Um, this had to have been there had to have been people you don't know about. Now, this is just my opinion, and but people you don't know about involved in this, and for some reason, it became imperative not just to hold her accountable. But to nail you two kids too, there there's something else at work here. Have you ever looked at the whole file? Have you ever been able to look at the whole case? Um, I have been able to uh, get a copy of the list of evidence. Um, I got to read part of her transcripts, but there is a lot of transcripts from her trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, wow. I mean it is a lot. It's going to be. Three hundred something dollars to get a copy of all those transcripts. Um, it uh, wow. it's just it, wow. it's crazy. Yeah, I holy cow, this is just bizarre. Yeah, I can't believe they would. Um, I can't believe they would put a 14-year-old through that. Yeah. I mean, I, exactly. Yeah. I, I couldn't either. You know, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It's just too well. much. I, I couldn't tell you how much um, I had sat Have there you? crying, not understanding w- why this would happen. Right. 
you know. Have you thought about sending up a setting up a GoFundMe page to raise money to get the transcripts? Um, no, <laughs> I haven't thought of that. Well, maybe that's something you can look into, and I'll share it. Okay. That'll help, yeah. 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 And I don't, I just, I don't. it's so frustrating, you know, whenever you're sitting here trying to think of all these different avenues, you know, of course, the Oklahoma yes. Innocence Project, they take years and years and years to even get to you sometimes. And it's like, yeah. Okay, you know, so he's sitting there 25 years, so we should wait another 10. You know, I want to do everything I can. Yeah. You know, I, I don't care how he gets mm-hmm. out. I don't care if it's post-conviction. I don't care if it's parole. I don't care if he has to go to the pardon and parole board and pay them $50 a week every week. I'll do yeah. it. I'll pay them the $50 yeah. every week for the rest of his life. Go ahead. Let him come home. Yeah. Right. You know. And you have to ask yourself why it's so important to them to keep him there. Um, why he, he hasn't right. even been considered for has he when it comes up they close it down right away don't they pretty much from what yeah. I've been told every yeah. every time he's come up for parole it's like oh murder one life nope you know they do that with the violent offenders what a about, lot why, why, why can't you write the supreme court of the state and present this to them put it down and ask them for a review or to order a lower court to review this. I, I'm not positive, but I think if a lower court did, it would be in the county where he was convicted, and uh, mm-hmm. they're just not. Well, happening. and all this time has passed. Well, maybe we need to put a little pressure on them, um, get them, you know, to consider uh, what they can do. Um, <laughs> We've we've done many like call in campaigns and write in campaigns and everything, and um, one of the things we're starting on my show on guardianship here after the first of the year is called the Five Minute Advocate, and we have someone that needs to be contacted, so everyone is asked to write on their piece. Of, one thing I'm going to tell you about contacting public officials: first off, don't email. Emails are discarded. They're scanned, and if there's anything in them that they don't want to read or know or admit to knowing, it goes right in the trash, although your address is kept and you're put in a special file. The next best thing is a fax, and the reason I say that, use a fax, and they've all got fax numbers, because anything that is faxed has to be kept on file for seven years for, for public viewing. So they can't deny they got it. They can't deny that they don't know anything about it. The third best thing is certified mail, and you handwrite the letter, sign it, put your uh, notary on it, which is not a seal that somebody has. A notary is your autograph, not your signature. That's a contract. Your autograph, which you're signing as yourself, and your thumbprint. That is a legal notary. And um, But anyway, write to them. And if they don't okay. accept the certified mail, you can use that as evidence that they refused um, service. And, I mean, you're not trying to sue them or anything. You're questioning. You have a right to question, and you have a right to a response. So 
maybe that's another thing you do. But when contacting these people, and like they say, you don't use this email, uh-uh, it goes right in the trash. It goes right in the mm-hmm. trash. They don't read any of that. The second thing is if you contact your, any of your legislators, you don't expect to talk to them. You go to their chief of staff. That's who directs all the traffic in that legislator's office. That's who knows everything and what that legislator sees and what they don't. And a lot of times you may write to, you think, the legislator and get a letter back, a canned response or some short note that is signed by the legislator, but actually isn't. It's just a staffer, and it's usually what we call a blow-off. Oh, yeah, we got this. Um, We got other things to work on. See you later. And, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And... But there's different ways to do this. And um, it took me a, quite a while to learn to contact that chief of staff. And because that's who's going to determine whether or not that legislator or even like a judge, because they had a whole staff and they've got a chief of staff, sees what you're corresponding with them about. But again, use a fax or use snail mail certified. Uh, not necessarily sort you can use registered mail. It's just the fact that they did receive it. You have a receipt saying they did receive it. And um, and if they send it back, that also, also is evidence. And um, But there's different things to do. But, you know, uh, maybe we need to start a concerted write-in campaign, start a five-minute advocate off of this and get as many people as we can to write a letter. To the chief mm-hmm. of staff, okay. you know, and see if that doesn't put a little pressure on them. And uh, then make sure you get a copy of everybody who, and everybody writes their own letter. You don't use a form letter. They discard those. And if they get, let's say, for instance, you all sign a form letter and say a thousand of you sign it. If it's the same form letter and you just put your, your name on it, they count it as one no matter how many came in. There's all kinds of tricks to this stuff. So you always write your own letter and do it that way. Send it that way. And as long as it's an individual and commented individually, they have to count each one. So it's – and you think that counting doesn't matter, but it does. You know, like all these online petitions and everything, uh, you know, this will be delivered Mm -hmm. to the White House so they can go put it in the trash. And – for any petition to be valid, you've got to go to your Secretary of State's office. Let them walk you through it. They will, you have to have a cover letter, and you have a page. Everybody signs in wet ink, what it, say in person. It can't be a robo-sign like, you know, over the net. You have to physically talk to people, get their address, their Social Security number. And then as you fill that petition, you turn those pages into the Secretary of State, and each one of those signatures has to be verified, and they are slower than molasses doing it. But that is the only way a petition becomes valid where they have to look at it. Um, they have to consider its content. But people think if they sign these things on the net, and, oh, if we get 100,000, they have to, yeah, mm-hmm, they have to use the big trash cans at the White House. And um, But this... There's a system to all of this, and it's just learning it. There's, I think, ways that we can utilize what we do have and possibly um, get some attention to this and at least get somebody looking into it, if nothing else, maybe getting someone to check with this parole board and find out why, with no evidence, this young man was put in prison for life. Um, okay. Yeah, because this is just, this isn't right. 
this just is not right. No, I don't know. That was very educational. I didn't know all that, so that was great. Thank you for the information. That stuff I have learned over the years after wasting tons of my time um, (laughs) doing stuff that, you know, I thought I was accomplishing something, but I wasn't. And um, and learning what these tricks are of all of this, you know, how how to go about doing this. I, you know, it's not that I'm real smart. I only learn by doing. So um, I had to mess up a lot of times before I got the system down. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so let's see what we can do with that. Um, where are yeah, we at here? I, I did uh, email the governor's office trying to get them uh-huh. to look at this. Because And I called the governor's office, and the woman I spoke to, uh, she was really nice, of course, but she said, um, I said, I called in between these two calls, and they said they never received my email. And I said, okay, well, this time she said, yes, yep. ma'am, we did receive your email. And um, I said, well, I never got a response. And she said, I'm sorry. And then she informed me that the governor does not deal with issues like this. And I said, well, you know, I know the governor can pardon people. The governor can go in and say, right. hey, he needs to be pardoned. Let him out. He is innocent. But yeah. she was trying to tell me, oh, and, and I guess, you know, not a lot of people goes and be like, oh, yeah, I know that. But yeah. she told me that uh, with our case specifically that I needed to contact the attorney general. And I was like, yeah, they're not. What is do the anything. attorney general going to do? Well, they're not. Well, I've had the federal attorney general's office and the one in Minnesota tell me almost verbatim the same thing. We are not here to protect the public. We are here to protect the state from you. Mm-hmm. Both of them told me that. We've got a wow. caller on here, girls. Hold on a second here. Um, area code 918. Did you have a question or comment? Well, uh, pretty much a comment. The reason why they put everybody up on charges was to clean up Uh the town from that family. So they're not going to have to mess with them again. They're thinking that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Let's just blast them all up and get them in the system. You've got to be kidding. (laughs) No. Cheveny Christmas. That is disgusting. Well, if mom spread fear... We're talking mm-hmm. fear up, upon officials who are men, and they're being intimidated uh-huh. or in fear from a woman who's half-cocked, crazy, psychotic, everything all wrapped up with a bow. Yeah. And so they're going to get rid of her and her, you know, her child, because it's probably yeah. running, because dad, you know, her dad was a little wacko too, right? So... Yeah. Let's take care of the yeah. family. We won't have to mess with it again, and we won't have no more murders. Uh, wow. That is sick. That is just sick. That's a spin on it I hadn't thought of either. There was a case similar to that in Missouri um, where a man absolutely terrorized this town, and he did it for decades, and they finally got together. This actually happened. They finally got together, and he was in town, and all of the men were armed, and all of them fired at once, and they killed him. 
uh, but they could never determine where the bullet came from, so they couldn't charge anybody. Uh, <laughs> but this is what he did. This man just right. terrorized his town. Where, where at that Missouri? Because that's where we're from. Yeah, I, I can't remember, but they made a movie about it. Um, and I'm trying to think of the name of that movie. Um, but uh, yeah, he he just absolutely terrorized his town for years on end, and um, they got fed up with him. And he was in town; he was going to do something, and they were waiting on him. And uh, he never made it home. And uh, but they couldn't they couldn't charge anybody because they couldn't determine whose gun it came from, or that anybody's gun had been fired because the guns they examined weren't part of the. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people do yeah, what they, they have they to do. Their way. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That is a, you know, uh, thank you for that in an odd sort of way, because I had not thought of that as being a reason for why it does answer the question of why they went after these kids. Um, it's just a possibility. Yeah. I have no idea because I am yeah. not them. I have right. been on right. the other side of them. So I have yeah. had to create possible meanings on why they would do something so atrocious, um, just yeah. to make sense of it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's that is bizarre. Huh. <laughs> That's gonna bug me now, you know. Uh right. what they did. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna bug me too. Yeah, yeah. Now, is any of your family left there, Jamie? Um, no, not really. I no. I have my cousin they didn't, and they didn't, they didn't. my uncle and my stepdad. Yeah. Well, I just they didn't burn down the home place or anything after you were gone, did they? I mean, <laughs> I, was, you oh, know, like, I don't know. Like my grandma, my grandma ended up selling that house, and yeah. Um, you know, I, I was gone for a long time. Whenever I was released, like yeah. my grandma was in Texas, I went down to Texas, uh, and then I ended up moving to Wichita Falls for a while, and then I went to Arkansas, then I went to Missouri, and then to Oklahoma, or not to Missouri, to Oregon, and then back to Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, so, uh, Tina, what's next? Oh, what's next is, uh, you said your grandmother was a good woman, right? Even though your grandpa was a little off. Yes, she was. Okay. Okay. Do you know how long your grandpa was a police officer for? Um, I'm not exactly sure of the total years. I know that he was since I was a kid. Um, Mm -hmm. And up until we were arrested, I mean, even after the extras back to Oklahoma, he came and seen me in his police uniform. That's weird. Wow. Yeah, and his words yeah. to me was, did you do it? And I said, no, I didn't do it. And he said, your mom said you did it. I said, I didn't do it. And he said, if I find out you did it, I'll never have anything to do with you again in my life. And I was like, okay, I didn't do it. Yeah, uh, but not the same for her, huh? He'll still no, talk I don't to her, know. He went, even though she, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so, because he, you know, I mean, he still has something to do with her. 
Gee, many Christmas. Did he say well, you said he was diagnosed as schizophrenic? Um, was he allowed to remain an officer after that diagnosis? They knew. Oh my God. Oh wow. Because you know, of course, they have to keep your file. They they can't make it public knowledge. So right. he doesn't have to tell anybody. You know. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So a police officer doesn't have to say if they suffer from mental disorders? I guess Well, they not. test them now. Not back then? Uh, yeah, back then I don't think so. And then we went through a period where they were all given psych exams, and if they exhibited certain uh, disorders or traits or deficiencies in their character, then they, of course, couldn't be a police officer. Now, since all the police departments are up under Homeland Security, and the sheriff's deputies, not the deputy, because he's elected, they can't get him. But they're up under the control of Homeland Security. So the test they give them now is looking just like for TSA, looking for these character deficiencies, these indicators that there is a tendency towards aggression or um, you know volatile uh, <clears throat> incidents. They're the ones mm-hmm. they hire. Uh, they want those people. And that's the way it is with police. That's why you have so many rogue policemen. You have these policemen that go berserk and go over the top and do, you know, they end up killing people. They execute them in the street. And, um, but that's why they are specifically selected because they have mental deficiencies. What, what in an ordinary person, you know, might just be a glitch in their personality in them when you hand them a, a costume, a tin badge, and a gun becomes something else altogether. And um, the first time I ran across with that was, of course, TSA just sends me up the wall anyway, um, is that these are people, and I've told a TSA agent this right to their face, you're you're a TSA agent because you're otherwise unemployable. Um, You know, you're mentally deficient. That's why you have this job. And (laughs) they didn't like that. But um, I figure anybody that grabs my boob in public is you know something's wrong with them and uh, but it's just yeah I don't know there's something in this is working on me it'll it'll come to the surface it'll come to me in the middle of the night and I'll bolt up out of bed because there's something else at work here and I think that lady that called in might have been really close to it this sounds more Mm -hmm. like a vendetta then, you know, is charging a criminal case. This sounds like a personal vendetta. You don't know if maybe one of those men she killed was related to somebody or connected to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. It just has she, has she had any trouble in prison at all? Do you know? I don't know. Yeah. I just wondered if, you know, you had any. Huh. Well, listen, we're down here to about 20 minutes, but um, I think without Tanya, we've pretty well run the gamut on this. What do you think, Tina? I agree. Yeah. Uh, But before Um, we go, mm -hmm. before we go, Tanya had asked, and I'm looking for it, if I could speak about um, there's a GoFundMe for. Oh, for Chris Hallett. Yeah. Chris Hallett. He, yes, was he was he was murdered, murdered, and there's a GoFundMe mm-hmm. for him, and you can find yes. it on the Journeys to Justice page or 
mm-hmm. Oklahomans incarcerated, true stories and how they got there. Yeah. Yep. Um, yes. And I would ask everybody, Chris was a tremendous crusader for law and order and what people's rights were. And this was such a tragic, tragic thing to have happen. Um, I, I can't even speculate on why it did because I'm not privy to all the details. So I'm not going to do that. It's just that he was murdered and his family does need help. He had five children. Um, his family needs help with expenses and just keeping going at this time. So if anybody can pitch in and help this family out, you know, it would be greatly appreciated. And, um, but yeah, it just, a very honorable man, very honorable man. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, like I say, without our lead speaker here, we're kind of lost. And I know she had a whole bunch of things planned, but we did the best we could, Tanya, and I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to end this Marty, Jamie, thank you I'm so sure she, much Well, I'm out of my field here And I'll be the first to admit it um, But I'm out <laughs> of my field But we do have on whistleblowers Coming on um, a, a man named DJ Who was with the Prisons out in California He was a guard And he's written a book called The Green Wall He outed all of them for the corruption going on In the prisons and I also had a gentleman from, I believe, Arizona, uh, the same thing, worked in the prisons, coming out blowing the whistle about the corruption and what's happening to these people in there. So this is actually turning into a major, major issue, and um, we'll try to coalesce all of this together one time, but I'll have them on whistleblowers, and then I told Tanya I wanted her to co-host with me, so... Uh, then we'll try to move them over to these shows, you know, to work with this because this is basically what you're focused on. So, but anyway, um, mm-hmm. she'll be back Tuesday night, I'm sure, unless she's going to take Turkey Week off. And um, if she does, she does. We'll be back next Sunday night. But Tina, I'm sorry I couldn't have been more help to you. Jamie, thank you for being so open and thank you. speaking about all of this. And we will see you all again. And remember, this is Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told, except when she's not here, we didn't hear nothing. Anyway, (laughs) we will will all talk to you all later. And thanks for tuning in. Good night, everyone. Good night.